all the way to a response to God of worship and obedience and respect. Well, if you think about it, here's the reason. It can go either way. It's because of the character of God and because of who, is, who God is, who the Bible says he is. You know, God is all-powerful, all-glorious, all-knowing, ever-present, yet transcendent. He's completely holy. In the Bible, there are places where heavenly creatures cover their faces when they're in the presence of God. And there are times in the Bible where people, when they find out that they had been visited, visited by God or an angel of God, when they find out it was somebody from God or God himself, they think that they're going to die because they can't think that they could even see God or talk to God and live through it. They can't imagine surviving a face-to-face -face encounter with God or someone close to God and survive. So one aspect of fearing God, especially by someone who does not know him or refuses to bow down to him, is one of terror or dread or anguish. But for the person who loves God, respects God, places their trust in God, a fear of God can be a feeling of deep reverence and love, great respect, leading to worship and obedience. And that's why the Bible has so much to say, so much positive to say about the fear of the Lord. It's the same God, it's the same power that brings to these different results, different attitudes, different emotions, but it depends upon our relationship to God. It depends upon if we choose to honor him and follow him and believe in him. <clears throat> that makes the difference. If it's going to be leading us to worship and obedience and respect and deep reverence, or if it leads us to terror or anguish. You know, and... Uh, I'm not going to turn there. You can if you want, but in Genesis chapter 20, there's a very interesting story in the book of Genesis concerning the fear of God. And I'm just going to kind of tell it. I'm not going to read through it. But in this story, and you probably will remember it as I go along, in this story, one person shows a healthy fear of God, while the other person shows another, an unhealthy fear of God. You have Abraham, he's been called to the land of Canaan, right? God calls him there. And he goes to the land of Canaan, and he's traveling all around. And he gets to a place called Gerar in some of his travels. And in different places he builds altars and that sort of thing and worships God. But when he goes there, and you might remember this, it happens in a couple of different places, but in Gerar... He was afraid that when he went into the land that the king would want to take his wife because she's so beautiful and want her for his harem. So he says, tell them you're, his, you're my sister. And he tells everybody that she's his sister. So because of that, King Abimelech, the king of Gerar, had Sarah brought to him and he took her into his household and... <clears throat> At some point, God 
appears to Abimelech in a dream or talks to him in a dream. And he says, Abimelech, you are as good as dead because the woman you have taken is married. So Abimelech begs God for mercy and says, I didn't know she was married. He told me she was a sister. And then God says, I know that. That's why I did not let you touch her. So I wouldn't have to kill you. Now he says, now return this man's wife to him, and then I will have him pray for you to absolve you. So the next morning, get this what Abimelech does, the pagan king. The next morning, Abimelech summoned his officials, told them what happened, and his officials became very, very afraid. Now that's the fear of God, isn't it? He then called in Abraham and gave him a tongue lashing, you know, for lying to him. And his, his speech to Abraham was something like, <clears throat> are you trying to get us all killed? There's the fear of God. So he gives, King Abimelech gives Abraham back his wife, and he lavishes Abraham with sheep, cattle, female slaves, and he says, throughout my whole land, you can go and just live wherever you want with your people. Now, the reason I turn to that story is because it speaks of two men and the way that they dealt with the fear of God. Which man acted in a healthy way toward the fear of God in this instance? It wasn't Abraham, was it? Abraham, having received God's amazing promises of a land and of descendants and of greatness and of wealth, and that God would take care of him, having received all of that promise from God, he did not trust God to protect him in the land of promise, and so he was not exercising a healthy fear of God when he told Abimelech that Sarah was his sister. That was a lack of trust in God. And that's what we talk about in the fear of God. We, <clears throat> we recognize him for who he is. But then Abimelech, as soon as God spoke to him and told him what the situation was, he showed a very healthy fear of God. God spoke, Abimelech acted. He submitted, he humbled himself, but yet Abraham did not trust God in that sense. Now, Abraham did trust God throughout his life. But in that situation, he didn't do well. Uh, and, he, and by that, he endangered the promise because Sarah was the one who was going to birth Isaac, and Isaac was the promised child, and that would be the line of the Messiah. And so Abraham... <clears throat> Of course, God had control over the whole thing, but Abraham's lack of trust in God, you know, could have, humanly speaking, could have ruined the whole plan. Now, all of that to show what a good fear of the Lord is all about. A good fear of the Lord is recognizing God for who he truly is and then relating to him appropriately according to who he is. It's respecting his greatness and his strength. It's respecting his holiness 
and his goodness. It's appreciating his love for us. It's appreciating God's majesty and glory. It's trusting in the promises that he gives us. It's obeying his statutes. It's trying to give him the honor he deserves. All of that and probably a lot more goes into a healthy fear of God. It's not a fear that scares us. It's a fear that highly respects God for who he is. And, <clears throat> and the reason it's a fear is because, you know, it's a, it's a deep reverence. And if we were to stand before God, he would overtake us. It's complete respect. It's placing him at the top of our admiration. Now, I'm convinced that we cannot even fathom how great God is. We can't even fathom how glorious God is, how magnificent, how worthy God is. I don't think we can measure his holiness or goodness or wisdom or love or power. I don't think we can put measurements on any of those uh, attributes of God. You know, to think that he spoke everything we see or experience into existence by the power of his word. To see how his creation functions, you know, everything just functions together perfectly. And he provides us with everything we need to live and thrive as human beings on this planet. And then we as human beings, sensing that or knowing that from the scriptures, we decide how we are going to respond to him. And as fathers, if we exalt God for who he truly is, and if we treat him with the respect that is due him, then that will provide a secure fortress. That will build around us a secure fortress. If we are following God, trusting him, and appreciating him for all he is, because we will be living according to reality. And then that secure fortress can become a refuge for our children. A refuge is a place you can hide and, and be safe from danger. And that would come down to us honoring God in our homes, right? With our children. Honoring God in our homes. Point, pointing our family to God's word, holding the word of God up in high esteem, turning to God in prayer in times of need, in times of sorrow, times of rejoicing. That would mean following Joshua in the Old Testament who said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you know, another reason we need to build a secure fortress through the fear of the Lord is because our society in these last decades is moving further and further away from God. I mean, we're seeing it big time. Our society is elements are mocking God, denying him, turning completely away from his word, and it's creating havoc in our society. 
People are doing things today <clears throat> that openly mock God and his created order. They're doing things that go exactly, completely against God's created order. And they're denying he exists, or they don't care if he exists. And we've gotten to this, to this point step by step, haven't we? It's just little by little, over the centuries, over the years, over the decades, over the centuries, and it's destroying lives. It's tearing down societal structures that God gave us for our good. And it is this growing societal ignorance of who God is on what the word of God is. It's, it's this clever saying that's been around for several years now, and I think it really rings true. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've probably heard this, but it, I've been hearing it for years. It says, God created man in his image, then man returned the favor. We've made God in our image. <clears throat> We've entered into the age of the exaltation of humanity. We replaced our reverence for God with a misguided reverence for mankind. So anything people choose to do, any practice, no matter how bizarre, is seen now and celebrated as wonderful and as uplifting, as what we need to do. We need to self-actualize and become who we meant to be, who we want to be. We are who we want to be. And it's just an exaltation of humanity. Now, humanity needs to be respected, right? Because we are creations by God. <clears throat> so we don't go around trying to hurt ourselves. But we need to be put in the proper place. And we can see how when we just start glorifying man, you see it in all the articles and everything you see, how people are just going off way in these wild directions because it makes them feel good. It makes them feel like this is me. And they tell us to look in down in deep in our hearts to see who we really are. And don't worry about creation or anything like that. We'll get around that. We'll just do what we want. We are our own kings and queens. Which then makes it all the more important to have a practice of a healthy fear of God. All the more important to exalt him as the all-powerful creator, to acknowledge him as the holy one, to praise him as the one who worked out our salvation. People today, as they turn away from God, you've heard of cryogenics maybe, where they try to freeze somebody's head so that later on when they find out how to bring life back into a person, they can just pull the head out and give it life again. <clears throat> They're trying to overcome everything God says. If he says it's pointed unto man wants to die, they're saying, we'll fix that. 
And they're just denying God, some more, more bold than others. But these thoughts of securing a fortress and building a refuge for our children, they have to guide our lives and our decisions, don't they? And those, these lives and those decisions, they come from an authentic picture of God. We have to face the truth, don't we? We have to, you know, <clears throat> come to the point of accepting God for who he truly is, who the Bible says he is. And these beliefs and actions will give us a secure fortress. And that fortress will be a refuge for our children and their children. And we can be the answer for all of the troubles we see happening today. And we may reach one person, one family, one neighborhood. Who knows? Depending upon how, you know, the influence that we have. But it's God's word. And it's us fully embracing it. And not following these, these statements that come from the world. That sound good. And sound kind of natural and good and right, but they're completely wrong. You don't find the truth with inside your own heart. You find the truth in God's word. And you allow your heart to accept God's word. And then you become one who, who sees the truth. It's God's word and fully embracing it. It's that truth that brings us protection that provides security and gives our children a refuge. So fathers and grandfathers, let us promote a pathway back to God. <clears throat> let's promote a healthy fear of the Lord. You know, <clears throat> there's, there's kind of a, a thing where kids as they grow up, they'll kind of look back and sometimes make fun of all the mistakes the parents made in uh, devotions. <laughs> and truly, there, we made a lot of mistakes in devotions. <clears throat> and sometimes we made them boring. But you know, even then, it, it's, it makes an impact, a good impact on children. Even if we're not great teachers or can come up with great stories or anything like that. It's putting the Bible in front of your family, talking about the scriptures, talking about God, making him a big part of our families so that they can go out just having that knowledge because it will save them. They can turn back to it. They can place it in their hearts. And to promote, <clears throat> excuse me, a, an accurate picture of God. His glory, his greatness, his love. What he did for us in Jesus Christ. So fathers, grandfathers, let's promote a pathway back to God. Let's promote a healthy fear of the Lord. One that exalts him according to the scriptures. One that exalts his ways, his commands. And build a secure fortress 
that provides a solid refuge. Let's pray.